Hello there, welcome to this week's podcast. This week I am going to talk again about adult treatment that involves families. And I know I hark on about this a lot, but uh, it's a discussion topic that I think is, well, it's very important to me. And it seems to be quite relevant to a lot of people whom I work with, um, because I work with adults who are in recovery. And um, I recently did a presentation on this at the ICE conference, which is run by AED. And um, we went to Chicago this year. And uh, I was presenting alongside the wonderful Rebecca Peebles, Rachel Milner, who you've heard on this podcast a number of times, and Therese Waterhouse, who you've also heard on this podcast a number of times. And so I actually was going to, today, run you through that and just the key points that we made in this presentation. And I'm not going to, it was an hour's presentation, so we're not going to go through all of that. But I just want to take you through, like, what I think were the key points here. So our presentation was titled, Why Go It Alone? How Family-Based Treatment of Young Adults with Anorexia is Possible and Productive in Reaching a Full Recovery. And we actually started the um, presentation with a five-minute audio clip, which I'm going to play, I'm going to play at the end of this. Um, but that five-minute audio was, well, some of the voices in that you've heard before in this podcast, you've heard Simon's cat before, talking about how she went home um, in her 30s to be refed by her parents. And there's also some new voices on there that you may not have heard before. But this five minute audio is just clips, one minute clips of different people talking about their experience of being an adult and working with families um, to help them get to where they needed to be um, in their recovery. So that's kind of cool. Um, now, Rebecca Peebles, who if you don't know who Rebecca Peebles is, then certainly look her up. She, she works, um, she's a clinician and she's just, absolutely she's just one of those fabulous people <laughs> but you know so she's a doctor and she works with people with eating disorders and she was talking about how families you know from from a clinician's point of view how families really can be part of the process even if they are an adult and um, one of the things that she spoke about that I really liked was she brought up this, this idea that I think um, is sort of out there that when somebody is an adult, when they're past the age of 18, it's not developmentally appropriate for their parents or their family to help them in recovery. And I've heard this plenty of times. I've actually, I've heard, I've, I've heard this from a, a therapist of, of one of my clients a couple of years ago, whose um, parents were, thank goodness, very involved in her recovery. And my client's own words were, you know, my parents have kept me alive, despite the fact she was 30. Um, and a, a new therapist whom I was asked to sort of talk to, the first thing she asked me was, did I think it was appropriate that this, this person's parents were still involved? And I said, absolutely, they've kept her alive. And she would tell you that herself. But it just shows that for, there's, there's this feeling out there that it's not developmentally appropriate for somebody's parents to be involved in their recovery. And what Rebecca really brought to light was that it is developmentally normal at any age for a person who is ill to lean on their family members for support and have family members help work them towards health. And I think that's just such an important point. Like families, families can be dysfunctional. That's absolutely true. Families can be much less than perfect. But I think 
unfortunately, those sort of circumstances, or fortunately, those sorts of circumstances are a minority. And for the vast majority of people, although we might argue with our families, although they might not be perfect, they are people who love us and people who want to help us. And families stick together and families help each other through the tough times. And so who else should be there helping you when you are ill if it's not your family? So it's entirely appropriate no matter what age you are, that if your family are the type, if they want to help and if they are able to help and if it's a good thing for you and them that they help, of course it should be. Um, and so that was, I think, really my favorite sort of thing that Rebecca brought up. She talked a lot about the sort of more clinician side of things and skill sets for um, FBT. And she talks about when parents should, shouldn't be involved as well. And there definitely are cases like that, which, you know, might be the um, sort of side of people that might have had abuse or anything in early childhood. Then, of course, you're not going to involve someone's family in that sort of circumstance. And she also, she tackled this, this notion that somehow, and this is not just a notion, this happens, that somehow parents are automatically told to butt out and that it's, this, it's thought of that it's actually not okay for anybody apart from paid providers or peers or, you know, it, not family. It's, it's not okay for family to be a part of this, which I absolutely disagree with. I think that family can be a very important part of recovery if they're there and if they're able to help. And then we have the wonderful Rachel Milner. And um, Rachel's been on the podcast, as I said, a couple of times. We usually talk about health at every size type things. And um, I will link to her in the show notes this episode. But one thing that was really interesting that Rachel brought up is marketing to um, the difference between marketing sort of for treatment programs to adolescents and to adult programs. And in the adolescence programs, I mean, they're marketing to parents. So they're sort of putting in their marketing things like, um, as a parent or family member, you play an important role in successful treatment outcomes. And then we move on to the marketing for adult programs. And it's more along the lines of these sessions can allow for honest discussion about family riffs and stuff like that. And it's sort of, that's so different, right? It's when it's, we're talking about adolescence, it's like, oh, we're marketing at the parents. So we've got to sell to them that they can be involved and that they're an important part of it. And then as soon as somebody's over the age of 18, oh, we're not marketing to the parents anymore. So we don't have to market that anyone anymore. We can just sort of, you know, tell them more that they shouldn't be working with their family and X, Y, and Z. And that may be really subtle, but I think it's definitely there. And Rachel really talked about this. This doesn't have to be all or nothing thinking. It, you know, like we can foster, as she put it, independence and include families. It's not that if you are using your families for support, you don't have a brain and you don't have a mouth and you don't have anything to do with your recovery. You're just being completely at the mercy of your family. No, it doesn't have to be like that way. It should be this big team effort. If you are an adult, you are the one that should be building this team of how and who are these people that are going to help me recover. And it doesn't have to be this sort of like black and white, doesn't look, have to look like anything black and white at all. And then I, Rachel also told some of her personal story, and as did I. And um, I think that most of you probably have already heard that or, or read about it. But one thing that I, I spoke about as being really important to me is that Yes, I did recover without any treatment. I covered without any family help. And if I could go back and do it again, I certainly would not do that. 
If I could go back and do recovery again, I absolutely, 100%, without a doubt, would walk straight into my parents' house and ask them to refeed me. And honestly, it was my pride that stopped me from doing that. Pride and pig-headedness. And, of course, fear. I, I was scared. And I know that the way that I recovered, it was slightly different. It has enabled me to learn a lot and it has enabled me to share a lot of information. But that's still not what I would do if I could do it again. And I think that that's very important for people to understand that this whole notion of recovering on your own is better is complete crap. Why would that be better? <laughs> like Recovering with support, as much support as possible, the correct kind of support, an effective support that makes you feel like, oh, maybe I'm not going absolutely crazy. That has got to be better. And the other part of it for me is that anorexia turned me into a complete nightmare. And I was just pretty awful, actually, to my, my family. And you know, I've, I've kind of like forgiven myself for all of these things. And I know that it was because my body and my brain was absolutely starving. And that makes one quite irritable. But I, my, my, my family have never been anything other than loving and wonderful towards me. And one of my biggest regrets is not allowing my mum to refeed me because... She, of all of the people in the world, deserved to see that happen. And yes, in the refeeding process, I sat there and ate entire chocolate cakes and so tons and tons of food. And I really wish right now that she'd been there to see that. And I think it would have been really cathartic for her as well to see that sort of thing. And, you know, just I think it would have been wonderful for her, actually, after years, 12 years of trying to get me to eat more for her to have actually been part of the process of refeeding and her to have been there when I was eating more and I was too pride, proud and stubborn and all that. I didn't let it happen and I absolutely regret that. Um, I think it, it would have just been healing for the whole family to have been part of that process with me. And if I could go back and do it again, I absolutely would. I also spoke about working with adults, which the with part is really important because you can't work at adults when you are helping them recover. It's just that, actually. You are helping someone recover. It's not about you sitting there and telling them what to do because they're an adult. They don't have to. They can walk out. It's about working with someone and whatever that looks like. And I think that that's... That, that again, it doesn't have to be this kind of like, oh, I'm, you're either... If you're working with someone, you're totally allowing their eating disorder to run riot and just allowing them to restrict. And No, like, let's give people respect. When an adult wants to recover, they want to recover. They are trying. They want to do it. And so it is this process of working with them as a team. And for those people that think, well, that type of person doesn't exist, I've worked with hundreds of them at this point. People who want to recover, they just need support and help in doing that. And so that's not about just saying, you shut up and sit down, and I'm going to tell you what to do. That's actually working with that person to say, what are all of your life experiences so far? What do you know about your eating disorder? What have you learned about tr past treatment attempts? What have you learned about past when things haven't gone so well? Like, what can we learn about that? Because the person that knows the most about an adult's eating disorder is the adult with that eating disorder. They have lived through years of it. They know where it trips them up. They know what things in the past have actually been successful and helped them move forward in recovery. And they know where it fell apart and what they should have had in place in order to not allow it to fall apart. And so that's what working with somebody is about. And I think that if you're an adult in recovery and you 
you feel that you are not being worked with, that's where you've got to kind of like work out, okay, I'm the adult here. I'm the person in recovery. I'm the person whose life I'm trying to get fully recovered so I have one. It's all about you, actually. And it's all about putting together the support that you want. And if you do decide, okay, well, actually, the support that I want are the people that know me and love me the most, then that's exactly what you should do. And that's what Therese Waterhouse, who was the fourth member of our presentation, she really went on to talk about, um, she did some case studies, she told the story about refeeding her daughter, um, and then how that changed as she was an adult. But one point that Therese made that I thought was really wonderful was that um, parents can be helpful in reminding their adult children what they were like before the illness. And that's super to me because one thing that I used to use to guide me when I was trying to work out what the right decision was, when I was trying to work out, well, what would I eat right now if I wasn't making an anorexia-based choice was because I knew myself as a 16-year-old, I was 17, onset of anorexia, I was able to ask myself, what would the old me have eaten? It sure as hell wasn't quinoa. And it sure as hell would have been a cheeseburger. <laughs> um, and so that really helped me, even as an adult, me being able to remember what I was like before I had anorexia really helped guide me when I just honestly didn't even know anymore what I wanted. And I think that for many people, they're much younger than I was when, when um, their eating disorder starts. Most people start in their sort of early teens. And so you might not remember what you were like or what your food preferences were like or that you used to just spend all day Sunday in your bedroom, like lying on the bed, chatting to friends on the phone. You might not remember that about yourself. You know, I mean, rather than going out to the gym or going running or doing the things that you do when you have anorexia. So having people there who knew you before, who can remind you who you used to be, can be very helpful when you're trying to make those decisions and you're trying to sort of know, well, what does the real me want? Anyway, those were the favorite parts from our presentation. Look, I am fully aware that not all of you listening to this are able to use your family for support. I'm fully aware that not, for all, not everybody listening that's going to be appropriate or even safe. And I'm really aware that for many of you, it's just not going to be um, logistically possible. It might be geographic reasons. You might be across the other side of the world now. You might have had family members who are no longer with you. There are lots of reasons why you may not be able to use family support, but here is where you get to kind of like take that, that word family and you get to turn it into be whatever that means to you. It, family means the people who are closest to you. Like I know that most of us define the word as in like who are closest to you as in relatives, genetics, but it really just means who the people who are closest to you. And I was too proud to use my actual um, genetic family for support but in many ways I did use friends for support in um, most of the time they were quite unsuspecting actually like I used friends as meal support who didn't even know that they were being meal support because for example things like the first time I went to eat pizza um, in recovery and I knew that if I unless I had someone there sort of making me do it I wouldn't do it and so I called a friend and I said let's go and get pizza tonight and he said yeah because he will always eat pizza and then he came over with pizza and I was I was locked in that's what I knew I needed to do I knew I needed to make myself accountable by locking myself in so 
there are some ways that I use support, even though that support didn't even know that they were support. But even better is if you're sitting here and you're listening and you're thinking, okay, well, I have to do this really difficult thing. I have to recover from an eating disorder, which is very hard. <laughs> it's not rocket science. It's the process of eating more food and going against all of the rules that you have and rewiring your brain. But it's just scary, isn't it? And so if you're sitting here thinking, okay, well, this is what I've got to do and I have no choice. I have to do it if I want to fully recover. Then also have a think about, well, maybe I can't use my direct family, but what can I use? There's always an answer and you're a smart person. I know you are. And I know that you can figure this out. It's a process of just working out, well, what do I need to make myself successful to ensure that I'm successful in this process? What do I know about myself to know what I need? What do I know about my eating disorder to know where it trips me up? And what do I need to put in place to preempt that and to make sure it doesn't happen? And so then sort of working out what you need and then from there, working out how you can fill that need. And it might be professional help. And sometimes that's just, the, the best help that you can get in your circumstance. But it also might be that you're going to use peers and family. And the good thing about family is that if you do have family that can, can help you, and if you do have family that are willing to help you, and you do have family that you are willing to be helped by, that's not going to cost you a heap of cash. <laughs> it's often more accessible than a lot of expensive support is. And that's also one of the most important things about recovery as an adult that's different from a child is that you might have life circumstances that mean you can't just drop everything and go off to a treatment center. You might have people who are dependent on you, if you're a parent, for example. So sometimes life throws things at us, which means that we can't do what the recommended ideal path is supposed to be. It doesn't exist. And you've got to kind of like, think about how to make it happen because you can make it happen promise you that and the good thing about family support is that it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg and often and if you have close family that's going to be even better but like i said if you don't have close family that doesn't mean that you can't use the support of friends and other people and even peer even online support like i think of a lot of the time I think of peer support as just one big family support system for people who get it and people who want to help one another get better. So next week, I'm go well, next couple of weeks actually, I'm going to be talking to people about health at every size. So we're going to have a couple of um, health at every size podcasts. If you have any particular questions that you have about that, then send me an email. It's info at tabithafrau.com or send me a tweet, which is at love underscore that underscore. Cheers and until next time. Cheerio. Oh, <laughs> silly me. I almost forgot. Here's a clip that I've been promising to pay, play you for the whole podcast. Here are our recovery voices. Ignore the beginning bit because that's for the conference. This audio is to accompany the talk given by Rebecca Pugables, Rachel Milner, Therese Waterhouse and Tabitha Farrar at the AED conference 2018. The conference is titled, Why Go It Alone? How Family-Based Treatment of Young Adults with Anorexia is Possible and Productive in Reaching Full Recovery. The following voices that you hear are of young adults with anorexia in recovery and one voice of a parent of a young adult with anorexia who is in recovery. The first voice that you will hear is an adult male in recovery from anorexia. 
Do you think that your parents could have been of more help to you if they had received support and education themselves on any eating disorders? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that can go for not just my parents, but my friends and my gra- grandparents and my brother. I think if, if my parents knew exactly what actually goes on inside my head and had a better understanding of what would happen, they probably would, could could probably help me more. And say that goes for my friends, grandparents, anyone. That goes for anyone who knows me personally. The second voice that you will hear is an adult female in recovery from anorexia. She is telling the story how at the age of... 30-something, she went back home to live with her parents for refeeding. And I just needed more help because it was I could wake up and say, today's going to be different, go into the grocery store and leave with the same oatmeal and yogurt, walk back out. Um, And I can remember like when I had gotten to like wit's end, I was like, I literally cannot do this. I can't do this by myself. I need more help. And I was petrified. I didn't want to go inpatient because I could see myself being one of those cases that was the rotating door. I was, I was petrified of going and, and restoring weight and then just getting kicked out and then relapsing all over. Um, I didn't want that. And I wanted, I, I want, I guess I just needed my parents. And because me and my partner had been doing everything that they could, but they have their own job. They can't be with me 24 seven. We got to make rent like, you know, and, and I could easily lie or hide food. I needed extra support and I didn't want it from people that I didn't know. I want it from people that knew me before I got sick. It came into therapy with me. My dad would distract me like no other on the way to the uh, nutritionist on the way back from dinners out. Um, they drove me everywhere because I didn't have a car there. We really got to, have quality time and it was it was amazing it was really 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 hard but it was it, it needed to happen but I couldn't have done it without them the next voice you will hear is a parent who helped in the refeeding process of her adult child the question asked this parent was why does she think it was both effective and relevant for her and her husband as parents to help their child who was an adult in recovery? Well, one is that we probably know our child more than anybody else. And so um, because in recovery, it's very easy for the child to, or or not the child, the patient, I guess, when they're an adult, to... um, fall back into eating disorder behaviors, we are able to identify when those behaviors are not our child's norm. So that's really important. We can identify that. And, um, and I think that every person, um, it's helpful to have a person that's account uh, keeps them accountable. And so when we're able to identify those things, you know, that's a whole other topic of how you approach that, but being able to keep them accountable is very helpful to them. Not only does it help Um, keep them on track. But I think that there's a comfort in that, that they know that somebody is really looking out for them and they're not doing this all alone. um, And they're not expected to do it alone. I think that that's a huge responsibility, even as an adult, when we put that responsibility on adult and adult, it's just comforting to have that person to walk that road with. Um, And I think as a parent, um, it's just, it's, it's a relationship that is unique than to any other relationship that they would have, even if it's a friend. And then things like um, meal planning and meal preparation and uh, um, eating with the patient. 
Um, all those things are really helpful too, so that they're not feeling like they're managing this on their own. Um, I think knowing what the meal plan is on a daily basis is really helpful for the, the patient so that when they're tempted to um, restrict or they're tempted to fudge on their meal plan, um, if you know what the meal plan in it is and you're able to know it and then identify by watching them prepare their meal or eat their meal or anything like that, it's another place of accountability that they can find comfort in. Um, just helping them stay on track when they're tempted to fall off the track. The next voice you will hear is the adult daughter of the last speaker that we heard. I think if the parent like, or the family or whatever truly wants to help the child and they want to learn and know how they can best do it, I mean, I think it's a game changer. Like, I think it's absolutely the most effective way for the child to recover and not just to recover to get to a point where they're like hitting the numbers, you know, because like you can do that in a hospital setting. You can do that like through a feeding tube. You can get to your weight or get an adequate heart rate or get, you know, go two months without exercise without having the support system. But I think having the support system of your family is what pushes it over the edge and gets you to that place where you're actually trusting and you're actually comfortable because you're comfortable hearing someone that you know loves you say, this is not okay. Like we're going to get through this together. We're going to get to the other side. And then you can kind of see that whole process. It's just different when it's someone that you trust and that loves you, even if you hate them in that moment, because they're telling you what you don't want to do or don't want to know. It's so different than having it be just a therapist or just a dietitian or just a nurse practitioner who's trying to like get you to go through and like do the actual stuff when it's a family member. It's just, I mean, the impact is so much greater, I think.